Ooh. He exposed that entire defense. Well, I think it's going to be really interesting to see Baltimore play San Francisco because that San Francisco defense right, is speed. scary and seeing what that defense can do against the Ravens. And it could also be possibly a preview of the Super Bowl. Possibly. We can get to, we can get to this. We'll get the non-football stuff out the way to open the show. But the way you're talking about it is the way you talk about playoff teams, Joey. And that's not the way you talk about the Rams right now. Because guess what we look like? Not that kind of a team. Yeah. Well, at least we're going to get that first round draft pick, right, Joe? Zoom! Zing! <laughs> that that sound you hear is the team <laughs> falling off a cliff. That was the. That was it. That was a random sound effect. That was me sending my keyboard trace uh, flying. Well, we've we've got Thanksgiving coming up, so we have some things to be thankful. What are you guys thankful for? What are you thankful for, Robbo? I'm I'm thankful for this uh, season's almost over. Okay, that's that's definitely a Robbo thankful thing. <laughs> that's on brand. Nice. That's very on brand. Joey, what what are you thankful for this year? Um. Like football related? Anything related. It can be football related. It can be non football related. Um I guess uh Yeah, man, that's a tough night to ask me that question, Joe. <laughs> You've got nothing in your life to be thankful for. That's good. This is the loss hurts so much there's nothing. It's all shit. Yeah, totally. I took I took the car in to get fixed and the part that broke in the car, because Augie broke the sunshade on the new car. And uh, I thought it was going to be like $600 because it was get you at the dealership. You know, like you walk in, you're like, I got this broken part. I, I have, you guys have to fix it. So they, they got you, you know, the, you know, you're just going to have to pay whatever they say because I'm a dummy and I, I don't know how to fix things myself. And um, it's like this like plastic piece. It's like far part of the car, you know? So anyways, I'm thankful that it was covered by the warranty Good, and it. I don't have to. Yeah. So, so there you go. That's that's stupid, right? That's such an old man phrase. Uh, thankful that my car is under warranty. <laughs> Door one but for missing on missing out on car D- drama D- is definitely something to be thankful for because car drama can be pretty bad. Um, what, what are you thankful for, Joe? Oh, there's a lot. Uh, I'm thankful for new uniforms coming next year. I'm thankful for SoFi Stadium. Um, I'm thankful that. Albeit in limited fashion, Robbo, your favorite topic of the year, we get a chance to address some of our impending free agents and add some talent. I'm thankful Ooh. for lots of non-football stuff. I'm thankful for lots thankful of for mock drafts. I'm no, but we don't get to play. I'm not thankful for mock drafts. Not the next two years. <laughs> um, why do I feel like the Grinch today? I mean, yeah. honestly, what I I I feel like uh, I'm sitting above Whoville, listening to them sing right now, and just grinning at all the shit I'm going to go steal. What's the what would be our version of the Grinch for Rob? Like a like remember he's got those weird uh, what's the lyrics? He's got Santa and tight and funky little knots, like something like that for Rob. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> he has frozen. He takes photographs of mountains. <laughs> he stares at walls for days and doesn't blink his eyes. Robert Forehand, I wouldn't touch you with a. Ten and a half foot pool. I wouldn't touch you with a Jared Goff incompletion. <laughs> oh, God. That's not teaching anybody. You, you know what, um, which, Guys, guys, Jared Goff completes the ball to the other team. Oh, he is he is the master of the stat padding garbage time blowout, isn't he? He's getting a lot out of those fourth quarters in these games. Um, so we're speaking of Thanksgiving. Which Ram has the weirdest Thanksgiving? Who has the best? Who has the worst? Who's, who's a good Thanksgiving host? Who's a weird one? 
What do you think? All AW has to be like one of the best, yeah, yeah. right? He's got to be a great one. That's where you want to go. Make a casserole. Yeah, if if you can't go home for Thanksgiving and everybody in the Rams invites you to Thanksgiving dinner and you're just every team's like every guy's like you can come to my place, you got to go with old AW. I think that's you got it. You know, that's going to be the best one. I would say the second. Who's the worst? <clears throat> okay. Well, just the second best one. I think. Uh, I mean, this is also eliminating anything personal that's happened in the past couple of weeks with his life because I don't know what's going on, but. I would assume that Robert Woods would have just a really lovely Thanksgiving spread. Maybe his, his mom's there, you know. Who's on the – he just What about to, like Jalen Ramsey's Thanksgiving? Hey, Jalen, can you pass the ham? Pass it yourself, motherfucker. Like, whoa, Jalen. Jalen, uh, why are you talking shit at the yeah, Thanksgiving table? No, you, you come on, man. Well, I, the table, it's actually a booth, and it's a rented-out banquet room at the Bed Ain't getting no, get no turkey and, from me. Shutting down turkey. Jalen Ramsey shuts turkey down. You believe that? Tell your mama that. Jalen Ramsey turkey blocker. <laughs> you know who? You know who I could see doing a weird Thanksgiving? It's like Eric Weddle, like being too too funzy. I was thinking the same thing. Welcome to my ice cream bar. What? How old? Are you? Yeah, very I, I always have Thanksgiving cereal. Huh? Yeah. <laughs> totally. We mix Captain Crunch and Ducky Charms, and we sprinkle a little. Uh, uh, like cinnamon toast crunch on there, and then get the chocolate whipped cream out, and bro, it's delish. Do you-, you know Thanksgiving? <laughs> well, we we have some things to be thankful for in our lives, but it, Robo, as you said, one thing maybe not to be or thankful that it's ending is 2019 Los Angeles Rams football. It seems like the Week 12 loss to the Baltimore Ravens might have just closed out the possibility for the playoffs. You're talking about a 6-5 team that would have to win out to get to 11-5 and need a lot of help uh, from some of their other members of the NFC in order to have a shot. But this one um, just about will do it. It was 6-45. to It wasn't just the loss, obviously. It was the fashion in which it came. Monday night football in the Coliseum in L.A., and the Rams got absolutely trounced. Uh, Lamar Jackson, 15 of 20, didn't have an incompletion at halftime, finishes with five touchdowns, ran the ball eight times for 95 yards. It made things pretty easy for Mark Ingram, who had 15 carries for 111 yards and a touchdown. We even got some RG3 late in the game. Um, Not a ton from the receivers from Baltimore. Um, Not a lot of volume because you were only, what, 16 of 23. They only passed the ball 23 times as a team. So uh, not a lot of great stats from the receivers except for the five touchdowns, uh, two from Marquise Brown and two from Willie Sneed. but the real issue, obviously, except for the, <clears throat> the points, five touchdowns. Yeah. Uh, but on the other side, uh, the real story was the defense uh, for the Rams that Ooh. just struggled against them all game. Um, Corey Littleton, Taylor Rapp, uh, 22 tackles between them, but uh, no takeaways and nothing from Jalen Ramsey. No pressure on the quarterback from Dada. But to be fair about the pressure, you've got to sit back and wait. You can't just bum rush like that. Uh, Samson Abukam coverage sack. He had to sit there and wait for it. Right. Because if he goes in, Lamar Jackson just runs right by you. So a, cha- a game changer in Lamar Jackson who's having an MVP season. Somebody who's not having an MVP season, and we'll get to this later on, Joey, Jared Goff, 26 of 37, uh, 212 yards, no touchdowns, the two late interceptions in the fourth quarter. Todd Gurley had six carries for 22 yards. One of them was for 15 yards, which means the other five carries that he had went for seven yards. Um 
Nice return night for Robert Woods. He had six catches, 97. Cooper Cup got involved a ton, mm-hmm. six catches on 10 targets, but just 35 yards. Brandon Cook's play, he had the late interception that went off his hands. Um, the ball spread around pretty much uh, somewhat well after that. And only the one fumble from Jared Goff, they got picked up by David Edwards because they tried to scoop it and score. The team stats don't tell you much different. The Rams were two of nine on third down, whereas the Ravens were nine of 15. And the Ravens were three of three on fourth down. The Rams were one of one picking up that fourth down. And then uh, total passing yards, 199 to 195. Rushing yards, this was the real story. Rams was just 22 to 285. Eight penalties apiece. It wasn't a big disparity there, but the only turnovers were the two interceptions from Jared Goff. Robbo, uh, let's start with you. Question. Are you surprised? If I'm being honest? Yeah. Not, not at all. I mean, I yeah. I, I had some fun this week uh, tweeting out. I think we even talked in the last pod after the Bears game. I talked about their, you know, what the Rams defense had done. I think they gave up 11.4 points average over like their last five games or something uh albeit against you know terrible competition and what and uh, not, you know the, the, the niners are in there but it was like the bears and the Bengals and just and the steel it's just not really good and so i kind of had some fun and and a lot of people took me a task for it which they should have it was it was kind of a troll uh but being honest no i walked in tonight and uh you know i even spoke to my wife she's like hey what do you think you guys are gonna do tonight i'm like honestly i think they're gonna lose by 40 points i just i just did not see uh, this team responding. It's, it's, it's not last year's team as much as we want to think it is. Uh, we've seen too much evidence to the contrary that this team is a far cry from what they were. And when they win, it's because they're beating sure. terrible teams. And sure. This is not a terrible team. I just, I just, I'm not surprised. I'm, I'm just not. I'm disappointed because I was hoping I'd be wrong and I wanted this to, you know, look better, especially offensively. Joey, you were the only one of the three of us who had a win in the staff prediction. Obviously, we didn't get it, but are, are you surprised? Where are you disappointed? What what let you down? What are you what are you dealing with that in the aftermath of this one? Oh yeah, I guess I am the person that thought that they were going to win. I think I just always like to say they were going to win in the predictions because um, I don't know. It's kind of fun that way. But I'm not trying to be the sort of like soothsayer that's you know you could hire me for parties and I could predict what's going to happen in your life. I mean, I'm kind of a dummy. But with this game, I feel like it's really it put things into perspective in the sense of what do we want this team to be for the rest of the season? Because obviously, it's a really extremely uphill battle for them to make the postseason. But then what? What are they going to do? They're going to beat San Francisco in the NFC Championship, and then they're going to the Super Bowl. If they go to the Super Bowl, they're going to play the Baltimore Ravens or the New England Patriots or the maybe the Kansas City Chiefs. And just looking by this at this game, I don't see us even having a chance of beating these guys. But the way we're constructed right now, I think we look like we're in a different league than the Ravens. So when you talk about disappointed, I'm disappointed that this is who we are. I'm not disappointed in what happened. I don't think if we play this game next week, it's going to be different. I don't think it's like, well, the refs didn't have our back or oh, they had a bad game. It's like, no, we had a bad yeah. team play against a great team and that's just where we are right now and i think also there's more disappointment in the fact that our future is very uncertain and there there isn't a lot of escape routes right now let's do, let's do this let's try to get a silver lining out of this i'm not sure that there is one robo is there a positive to take away here either a player or a unit or something that you can pull out of this one that you say actually this was good from the Oh, you're gonna make me say something was good. I was thinking I had a positive, but it wasn't. Well, what was it? <laughs> you you can game. do that. You can um, do that. All right, my positive is 
if you're if you're still clinging to the hope that this team has a shot at the playoffs, and <laughs> if you do, I want some of what you're smoking. But for those of you who are, uh, the, if you were going to say that they, we thought coming out of the bye they could lose two games realistically and still have a shot at the playoffs. Uh, the fact that they lost two games to yeah. AFC teams bodes well for those chances because conference losses are a tiebreaker and they are on the short end of those right now. So one more NFC loss and they probably would have been done. So if you had to lose two games, you wanted to lose these two, the Steelers and the Ravens. Uh, you are probably not going to want to hear this because everyone hates division rivals, but you want to root for the Seahawks all the way. They played Monday night against the Vikings and that's the team who I think you have like, the best shot at catching if you look at their schedule. You, you're you one behind in a conference loss with them, so you could somehow tie them. We didn't play them head-to-head. These are the things that start coming into play, and I and look at strength of schedule, et cetera. The Rams could knock them off, not so much the Seahawks. Yes, if you see the Seahawks losing to San Francisco and we beat them, we tie them. But I just, I just don't see I just don't see that happening. So I think your best bet is to hope for an anomaly. You see three teams from the NFC West make the playoffs with the Rams squeaking in. Uh, don't care about the Cowboys and what they do down the road because they're going to win that division anyways. So it's it's really the Vikings who you're probably targeting here, and you want to see them as lose as much as you want. It really comes – yeah, the playoff picture really comes down to the Minnesota and Green Bay because those are the two eight-loss teams right. since Seattle's now nine and two. It's probably mm-hmm. – impo- I mean, it's still possible to catch them, but it's harder. But between the Packers and Vikings, if especially if Seattle wins or if somehow Green Bay loses right. to New York this weekend on Sunday – they stay at eight wins, and that might be catchable. But the only way to do it is to you run the table because you're at five losses. You'd have you you can't lose again. You've got to get to eleven and five, and hope that one of those teams uh, can lose two games and maybe get you a tiebreaker or go crazy and lose three of their final five. Um, but it's going to be tough, Joey. What's your, what's your positive either about the game, a player, Ooh. a unit, something? Well, I. I, I, I don't know. I'm kind of in burn the house mode, burn it all down, and uh, <laughs> yeah, because it was, a, it was a burn is, the house type I of game. I feel like right? the strongest unit is the wide receiver unit right now, and when you have a quarterback that's struggling as mightily as Jared Goff, your wide receiver unit is is maybe not the unit you want to be the strongest. So I don't know, man. I I I feel like. Right now, I'm thinking we got to fire everybody. You got to fire Demoff. You got to fire Les Need, and you you can't, you have to stop them from trading away our first round draft picks. We need to protect our 2022 draft pick. We got to put a lock on it. We need to, you know, there needs to be some siren that goes off if Les Need if Les Need offers it to another team in a trade. Like this is getting ridiculous. We 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 just need to protect the future. I mean, the deep future. Because I don't, I don't trust these guys anymore, and I feel like they're like, "Oh, we cracked the code. We know how to build teams without using draft talent." Well, you know what? Look at the San Francisco 49ers right now. They've been bad for a while, but every year that they've been bad, they've been getting better. And now they have this monster, this murderer's row on defense that basically is the result of being shitty. We're gonna be shitty. And we're still going to have undrafted free agents starting an inside linebacker. So I don't know, man. I I say get I say get rid of them and just you know th- think think about the mid twenties because if you if you keep this game up, we're just going to keep getting hired guns and it's going to be a joke. 
it's really interesting because it's setting up a much more desperate 2020 season than I was prepared for, what, three months ago. And I think that makes it more fascinating because you've got guys that are essentially playing for their NFL lives and a coach that may be coaching for his NFL life. Because 2020, if the Rams don't make the postseason for a second year in a row, with this core, and that's part of the problem, Joy, that you alluded to, is that the core is not going away. Then, then, then this is what you are now. It's it's no longer you know the team that won the NFC West in 2017 that was on the rise. It's obviously not a Super Bowl contender from 2018. If you miss the playoffs two years in a row, that's who you are now, and that that doesn't change by not drafting guys. Um, you, the problem with kind of what you said was the idea of of them pointing out they know how to build a team. They they knew how to build this team. The problem is this team with Jared Goff and Todd Gurley and Robert Woods and Cooper Cup and Brandon Cooks and Gerald Everett and Tyler Higbee is coming back next year with the same offense. There's not a ton of change coming except for maybe the offensive line. And the scary thing there is that change is coming about because you're losing Andrew Whitworth. So you, you might be losing the best part of that offensive line the next three years, maybe without a solution on the roster. Maybe there is one. But you're playing with fire. If there's one good thing I'd say, it's that there were a couple guys that didn't play in this game. Daryl Henderson, John Johnson, um, guys like that that'll be there next year. That maybe if you want something to lean into, this is deep enough in the season where you're missing some guys that – and even like a Greg Zerline that didn't have a huge impact, right? He had his two field goals, but it's not like we were calling on him to make big kicks down at the end of the game that you can say, hey, maybe next year we'll get a chance to get those guys back. And a David Long Jr., if he continues to grow and get more opportunity, that maybe that could change the, the scenario for 2020 because obviously right now it's not looking great. Here, here's a question for you guys. And I saw this one starting to really pick up tonight for the first time. We're talking about 2020 and the potential of a non-playoff season, a desperation factor with some increased fan demands. Where's the hot seat meter at for Sean McKay? At the end of last year, making the Super Bowl, it was at zero. Where's it at? It, it, it's over one. Is it? Is it up to three? Is it higher? What yeah, do you guys it's, think? It's definitely kicked up. It's. I, I noticed as well. It's. Uh, you're, you're hearing people question. You're hearing people question for the first time since he was hired. I mean, when he was originally hired, it was he was too young, yeah. whatever, and then he came out and they 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 pretty much blew the doors off from the get go. And then he backed it up last year, starting off 8-0 and went to the Super Bowl. Uh, for the first time since he's been around, there's some doubt creeping into the fan base's head. And that fan base right now is, it's it's not a robust one. And it's, it was built around We Not Me. And everything was kind of wrapped around the Sean McVay thing. And right now, they it's... They look. They look more. He looks mortal. Whereas before, like every how many how many coordinators have been turned into head coaches uh, from Sean McVay's two years here? Three, right? Yeah. So right now, I don't think there's anyone going to come knocking this year to look at uh, Shane Waldron or uh, anyone else who's on that team. Sure. Um, you might see me like Audrey Pleasant or something because he's still pretty hot, a pretty hot commodity. But I I believe he's probably the heir apparent to Wade. Outside of that, I just don't see the offensive stats being picked over. So. He's mortal. He's been he's been he's been wounded for the first time. It's like, it's it's like watching uh, Game of Thrones here. And and uh, who was the, the mountain? You know, he was under. Un, he was, yeah. you couldn't beat him, and he got you know he got hurt a little bit, and then he started bleeding. And we'll see how he responds. It's it's that's part of his growth pattern as well. He is young. There's no getting around that. This is the first time he's had to go through this kind of adversity as the head guy. You know, he's only known success. 
So now let's see uh, what happens. The big knock on him right now is, and you've seen it across social media all night long, Sean McVay does not know how to adjust. He's not willing to adjust. He doesn't know how to adjust. He needs to go back and look at things and figure it out. I, mean, I saw this all over the place. And so I'm going to say, if we're looking on a scale of 1 to 10, and he was he was nothing last year, no, he's, he's, he's a comfortable 3. You know, he's got like the, the butt heater on the, in, the, in the car just turned on. He's like, wow. I actually feel feel a little toasty there, Joey. I want I want your number, but I also want to think about it like this. It's it's it, part of it is the idea of the hot seat meter of like him, you know, risking getting fired. But part of it, and this is becoming the more the the strongest narrative coming out of 2019, is that the first two years with Sean McVay as our head coach, we leaned into the Sean McVay system, not just the culture of the we not me, but also the football system, right, with our quote unquote system quarterback. And the system was good enough to power us to some really great games offensively and obviously all the way to the Super Bowl. But now the system, whether or not it's been quote unquote figured out, it's not working. And that's failing everybody. That's failing the offensive line. That's failing Jared Goff. And that's failing the rest of the offensive staff. I think right now, part of the question is, does the system need to change or does the coach need to change? And I think maybe we get an answer for that for 2020. But what's your, what's your number for his hot seat? I think it's at five. And, and I think the reason why is because you have to blame somebody. <clears throat> and I think you could blame Jared Goff, but yeah. he's not going anywhere. You could blame Todd Gurley, and you could blame anybody in the defense like Jalen Ramsey. I mean, maybe you just don't resign Jalen Ram- Ramsey. Um, and maybe that's kind of where we have to go with with, with him long term. I know we gave up all these draft picks, but it's it's really going to be a reckoning when you when you look at how trapped they are. And it reminds me of a, a couple of different situations, but also how when, when Chip Kelly came into the NFL, he, he found success kind of early on, and then he flamed out rather quickly. And that kind of happens sometimes with these college coaches, and then they go back in the college ranks. So it's, it's not a, a, an even comparison, but I'm going to just switch to basketball for just one second. And a couple of years ago, the when the, the, the Nets moved from New Jersey to Brooklyn, they made a big change trade with Boston Celtics and they gave away like three first round draft picks for Kevin Garnett and Paul Pierce who at the end of their career and they kind of pretty much were toast and it was one of the worst trades in the history of the NBA because basically what happened for three seasons is the Nets were just blocked. They couldn't do anything. They were stuck. They had no way of building up their future and they were just a bunch of scrappy guys that were like that they could afford and, 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 and after couple seasons of being completely irrelevant, they were able to dig themselves up because they knew they had to then clean house and make smart moves. And that reminds me a little bit of what's happening right now with the Rams because it's it's just going to be messy for three years or four years. And I know that sounds like an eternity right now, but it's, it's, it's almost as if – I think of it as like Jared Goff and – well, Todd Gurley is, is kind of hurt, but – it's like I think if they just all tore their Achilles over and over again, this would be a lot easier because you'd be like, well, they're hurt. Yeah. They got these torn Achilles. They yeah. can't play. But they yeah. are playing. You know what the I mean? Sam Bradford excuse. Yeah. <laughs> Sam Bradford. Yeah. It's, it's yeah. so, get the Sam Bradford. Oh, you know, it tore his knee two years in a row. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. So you yeah. don't get the comfort of that. And then just real quick, as I bogart all the time in this little segment – when you talk about the hot seat of, of, of Sean McVay, you got to look at what he's in control of. So tonight, he was in control of the play calling. 
And you talk about Todd Gurley running the ball six times. Okay, that's really low. But you're thinking, oh, well, somebody else ran it then. I mean, Malcolm Brown's good. You know, they got Daryl Henderson. They ran the ball nine times. One of them was Jared Goff for negative one yards. Brandon Cooks got a yard. And that's it. Malcolm Brown had a, had one carry for no yards. So they aren't even sort of trying to support the play action or the running game. And it just feels like what you said about the adjusting, um, it just feels like a handicap. It, it, it I don't know, man. It just it's like Michael Bay trying to do a period drama. It's just not gonna work. <laughs> you just can't do it. <laughs> Flash, bright light, transition. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, this Christmas, come see Transformers Downton Abbey. Mm. <laughs> your dowry's going to explode on your face. Benjamin Disraeli, I'm Optimus Prime. I've been sent to 19th century England to oversee the remodeling of your taxation system and blow <laughs> shit up. <laughs> I watched that. One of the, I probably would too. Hey, so how much how much how much of what they've done over the last couple of years was designed towards having you know this team set for the new stadium? Oh, so, so did much they expect of it. to hit the Super Bowl? I guess yeah, they kind I of did, but I mean, the, everything was poured into uh, capturing the fan base. Sure. And we saw the article this week with the, with the Chargers and Spanos and everything going on there. And Seth Wickersham and Don Van Natta at ESPN. If you great. haven't read yeah. that, go read it. It's a phenomenal article. It's amazing. So everything is, is tailored towards next year, and it looks like you know it's 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 kind of coming. It, like today was our city. The Ramsey trade almost smelled of that as well, like desperation. We need to get this. So we have a we got something for twenty twenty, and are we looking at a team in twenty twenty who's going to be eight and eight, seven and nine, six and ten? Right now, it is. I think I think the 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 one thing I'd put as an asterisk towards pushing in chips into the idea that it was for the stadium is if we hadn't won in 2017 and gone to the playoffs and turned things around. And if we hadn't won and especially gone to the Super Bowl last year, I don't think you would have seen it. Right. Cause you, you, right. you can't go, right. you can't go, you know, all in on win now when you're going four and 12, right? The only way you can right. do it is if you're winning. And so I think obviously, yes, they have certainly sacrificed a lot of their future capital to add to a win now window for a team that's not winning now. And that's the, I mean, that's the crux of the problem, right? Is that uh, for whatever reason, the, they had a system that was working with a bunch of uh, labor to support it. And they decided to keep that labor in order to do so. They had to pay them a lot of money. And now that the system's gone, you're paying a lot of guys that aren't contributing anywhere near enough to win. From the coach's standpoint, Joey, you talk about some of the things that they can control. A lot of the things that Sean McVay can, should control as the head coach are things that we've been used to that aren't that aren't necessarily as fine-tuned in terms of team operations. Little things like special teams play, penalties in the red zone, offensive line penalties from guys like Andrew Whitworth, illegal motion and formation penalties from guys that should know better. We've gone from 24th in penalties to game to now ninth in the NFL. What's going that that's definitely on the head coach. Those little things, the awareness, the discipline. Why is that falling apart from guys like Andrew Whitworth, who clearly have the experience to be better, but for whatever reason are are dealing with a regression in some of these areas of the, the ticky tack things that good teams are able to avoid? Uh, 
Uh, <laughs> let me put it to you like this. How how much responsibility does McVeigh have for those kind of things? Because remember, and I don't want to relitigate the Fisher years, but part of what we always talked about was the idea of he would look at some of these things and say, yeah, we're going to look at the tape and we're going to do what? We'll fix it. We'll fix it. I would say, well, we're going to look at the penalties and we'll fix it. We're going to look at these uh, holding issues and we'll fix it. We're going to look at these little things and we'll fix it. And they never got fixed. Clearly, it's incumbent on him to fix them moving forward. Fisher's biggest excuse with penalties was, well, that wasn't a penalty, but – I'm not. I'm not going to complain about penalties, but that wasn't. A there's a, there's another every post game. Yeah, there's another angle to look at this, boys. Is that we're looking at it too much like an X's and O's thing, and you got to think it more like a Yoko Ono problem. That <laughs> the Beatles were having some issues. Yeah, George Harrison didn't want to tour. McCartney and Lennon were getting really competitive on who's the more superior songwriter. But at the end of the day, what really did the men was the new girlfriend, the new wife who just was a grenade. It just blew the dynamic of what the band was. And you got McVeigh's fiance in there changing up, making him probably you know, watch some more HDTV than he would. Maybe he's getting a little distracted. And on the other side of the ball, maybe we're going to cover this in golf talk. But I really want to talk about the rumors of Jared Goff. What he's, what's going on with his girlfriend? What type of player he was before he started dating his model girlfriend and became this really rich young athlete? And now what type of player he is? Because I think that is... Where 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 I'm going right now? I'm I'm conspiracy conspiracy there. When there's no hope, you put a you put a tinfoil hat on. When you there's know? no hope, you hope for conspiracy. Uh, for people that don't know what Joey's talking about, there have been some rumors bubbling around some non-sourced information uh, around the idea that Jared Goff has been interested in his social life and kind of the uh, the influencing uh, that uh, guys of his ilk are provided, and that part of it is manifesting uh, with his relationship with his girl. Girlfriend. A piece got posted at sportsgossip.com. I'll let people decide the veracity of this site's uh, reporting uh, that had a text message from somebody that read, y'all can take it or leave it. But I have mutual friends with this girlfriend, Kristen Harper, who herself is an Instagram influencer. And I guess the dude is drinking and partying a lot, even in season. I'm only posting this because I've defended him more than anybody on the entire internet for years now, but I won't anymore. He's obviously not all in on this team, and it's fucking lame. I think I think what we've got with the crisis of confidence and the conspiracy theories is that part of what we talked about last time, there's a portion of people that continue to think that Jared Goff is playing well, that he's not a part of the problem, that he doesn't deserve any responsibility for this. And there's a lot of people, and especially non-Rams fans, who look at Jared Goff and say, why are people so dedicated to this guy? He's really not special. And the way he's playing this year certainly contributes more to the confidence of that latter group than it does to the Rams fans who are continuing to defend. Well, bro, uh, Jared Goff, without tonight stats to back him up, is still 10th in the league in passing yards. He's having a good year. We mentioned Yoko, mentioned Yoko Ono. Is Jared Goff and Tyler Higby going to do a rooftop concert? Oh, good. As they go, as they ride on into the sun. <laughs> Here's my I think you're right on that with Joey because uh, – who who is Goff closest to on the team? I want to say it's probably like not players, but like Sean McVay. Like Sean McVay took him in. They're like they're inseparable. Whatever he sees, Sean has this super hot Instagram model, and he goes and gets one. The difference is 
maybe Sean McVay is a little mentally more mentally tough and able to like, all right, Veronica, she knows the deal, whatever. We're not going to party all the time. They go on vacations. She's taking I, I, snaps of him on the lounge reading a book, like, a, like some kind of, uh, you know, wise words from some from a mentor or whatever. And Jared Goff is like doing shots off her tits. His girlfriend. <laughs> There's like two differences there. So I'm not. I don't see Jared Goff sitting there watching tape when he's when he's on vacation or whatever, partying with his girlfriend when she's you know taking taking snaps. I think Jared Goff is being a twenty something year old dude and, and partying, and having a great time or whatever. And uh, he's not he's not he's not living the Sean McVay lifestyle of having being able to balance super hot, incredibly great girlfriend on that end and and jared goff can't so that's that's where my yoko ono theory will tie back into that he's he's trying to pull the McVay model he's just not he's not able to do it because he's 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 distracted you can, and the thing is he's an nfl qb you can do the distracted life you just have to have the play to go along with it right yeah that's what i mean not, that's you, the problem. become matt leinert or yeah. yeah or or you or you look at a more successful version of it with tony romo who came into the league and he was the star for the Dallas Cowboys, starts dating Carrie Underwood. And then there was this pretty sizable backlash from fans and maybe even just like NFL people that were seeing a distraction from Tony Romo with Carrie. And they were blaming any issues that were happening with the Cowboys on Carrie Underwood. And it became a story. Or was it Carrie Underwood or was it Jessica Simpson? I, I kind of can't keep track of that crap. I think it was both. <laughs> Yeah, it was. <laughs> it was all of them. All the white blonde girls from 1999. Tony Romo dated them all. Right. And oh, look at Aaron Rodgers did it. Olivia Munn for years. No, keep going. Keep going up the ladder. Who's at the top of the modern NFL QB yeah. ladder? Uh, there's Tom fucking Brady, man. But then he became a, yeah. you know, he was a relationship guy. And I, and I think there's an expectation of NFL fans that they want something like T- Troy Aikman or, or Steve Young. These really just kind of straight laced every, you, you, you get the same thing every Sunday. And I think you want the Johnny Munt of quarterbacks. Oh, Johnny Munt. Yeah. I think, I think Goff's pretty mercurial. I, I don't think that we're going to get this solid, a rock of a dude as as our QB now. I mean he feels he feels a little bit um like just kind of um I'm I I'm starting to lose my uh my 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 passion to continue this confidence this uh to be the Jared Goff stand of the podcast guys. Let's do this. You, we're we're going to do more wow. rankings, but I do want I do like the idea of a Johnny Munt going to Jared Goff and being like, "Look here, Skipper. Only reason to get horizontal in the middle of the season is when you're getting into plank position to study your core. All right? You're going to need to strengthen your legs. And I don't just mean for football. Um, so let's do this. Joey, you get to go first because you're at it. Let's do a confidence level. Confidence. Jared Goff is not going anywhere barring a, some crazy trade. He's going to be the quarterback for this team for n- multiple years to come. What is your confidence level in Jared Goff overall right now? One out of ten. I earlier when we talked about numbers, I gave five for Coach McVay for being on the hot seat. With- oh, and I should mention I'm a loser, so I'm going four because you went five and Robo went three. So my answer was pretty obvious for anybody that listens to the podcast. Okay. So with the confidence level of Goff, I would have to say, well, 
what does that even mean? Like confidence that they can get to a Super Bowl and win, or just like like confidence they can get out of the hole that they're in now? I would both. Yeah, you know what? Confidence that he's the right guy for this team at quarterback. Oh well, okay. I think I think I'm like right now at a four, and I'm dropping on that specific Mm -hmm. question of of is he the guy for the Rams? I still think that he could win with the Rams, but without being like the guy. Like if if they can if they can build up a better team around him through sorcery of some sort. And the offensive line is better, and the scheme is better, and Todd Gurley's knee isn't filled with hobgoblins, and they can play great, then I feel like Goff can get in line. But if you're a bad team like they are right now, or they just don't have a of a direction, they're just they're lost in the woods, then I no, I don't have confidence that Goff could lead a lousy team. I think he needs the have a Super Bowl caliber, everything else, and then he can just kind of coast through on being Goff. Jared Goff, confidence level, Rebel. What you got? Uh, I'm going to go with what's the highest Ten. confidence? One? Ten is, Ten is confident. One is, oh, oh my God. Uh, I'm going to go right now that my confidence that he's going to turn this around and, uh, and, and going back to where he was in the last couple of years yeah. at a I'm going to go six. Okay. I'm going to go a little higher than Joey. And this is why. The only reason I'm even going to go six, because right now I feel like it's about a two. And you know, we, we just spent 10 minutes talking about Jared Goff's Instagram model. And that's the reason why uh, he's he's terrible right now. Um, I'm going to continue on that premise. If this is the case, whatever. Somewhere in the offseason when, when he's been humbled, and I think he's been humbled this year. He's, he's kind of feeling it now, but he'll have some time to reflect, whatever. Uh, I'm going to go back to him having a, uh, a reconciliation with his past. December 24th, 2016. Ooh. I promise you guys I will get it fixed. I'll give you everything in my heart and soul to get it fixed. He kind of he kind of lived up to that yeah. promise. Uh, 2017, he was better. 2018, uh, he was sure. even better. Yeah, he struggled, whatever. But from what he was when he had that quote at the end of the season, his rookie year, and he was – everyone thought he was the biggest bust in the history of the game, and there's been some busts. Uh, he turned it around. He put the work in. He got it done. Now, if he's a young guy and uh, you know he's wrestling on his laurels, and maybe he's not working as hard as he was because he's feeling it. He got that big contract, and you know, I'm the man, all that. I think there's enough humble pie in, in Jared Goff's makeup to go. All right, I was dog shit this year, and I need to improve. And so I'm going to give him a six. Uh, now, I can prove my this. This could come back, and we'll listen to this a couple of years, and I can be. We could be laughing at what a dumbass I am for believing in. I'm gonna go back to the guy who, when he got his his ass handed to him as a rookie, and everyone questioned him, he he made a promise and he entered the bell. I'm gonna go back. That he's gonna find that nugget. He's gonna go. He's he's Rocky Three. Apollo Creed's gonna take him back to L.A. You're going to train him up. He's going to get back to roots. And he's going to he's going to improve. So I'm going to go with six. I'm going to go a five because I am a coward, but also because I think part of what we're talking about is a system QB whose system is failing him. And the real referendum on Jared Goff fixing this team, whether we're talking about, you know, fixing things in 2019 or into 2020 and beyond, is Sean McVay fixing the system and, and getting the players that can help fix the system, especially when we're talking about the offensive line. And right now, 
I'm torn, man. I'm I'm really torn because the, the 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 here's the real scary thing about the offensive line. It's not that the Rams didn't have a plan. The Rams had a plan. They drafted Joseph Noboom and Brian Allen a year early. They drafted Bobby Evans and David Edwards to be able to sit on the sidelines just like Noteboom and Allen did and watch the guys on the field and learn to be able to take over next year when we lose Andrew Whitworth and maybe Austin Blythe. The plan failed. Right. The no boom and Allen were playing pretty poorly, especially Allen. Blythe played poorly. We had injuries that forced some things into the mix, starting with Jamil Denby, then going to David Edwards and now going to Bobby Evans with Rob Havenstein out. They've had to tinker things on the fly because the plan just didn't hold up. And so part of the problem is, can we fix things next year? Yeah, but that's going to require another plan. And the way that we're seeing this plan fall apart just doesn't make me feel that comfortable that we're going to be able to support Jared Goff enough next year. I don't think it's about Goff. I really don't. I think it's All more right. the components around. All right, Mr. Five, is that a five for Sean McVay fixing this? Or is that just a five for Goff? I really think it's a five for McVay fixing this because okay. I think as, as the system goes, so goes Goff. I don't mean it a system quarterback in a bad way. We've seen it no. when the system's yep. cranking. Like you said, we've seen it cranking when it's right. He The skill set hasn't gone anywhere. He's still got the same skills. It's that he's in a situation where he can't use them the way he was last year, and especially not with the confidence. We, we all saw the fumble tonight where he's still sometimes playing in his mind on a timer that operates on the 2018 line, where he thinks he can do these things that he's not allowed to do anymore. He doesn't have that time. He can't sit in there and do that. He can't just wait in the pocket and be tough and take these hits. He's got to start playing faster, at least for this line and maybe for next year's. And I think that has more to do with McVeigh making sure the system fits what they've got than, than letting Goff operate on maybe a system that doesn't exist anymore. Where does the system fall on a receiver who's completely uncovered, waving his arms to try to get his attention and he doesn't see that pre-snap? That's a funky one, right? For people who didn't see that, that was Robert Woods down there, not covered signaling, hey, if you want to just chuck it to me, there's nobody in front of me. He didn't see it. Dropped it off to Gurley for a yard. Not good. It is what it is, boys. We're we're not happy. I mean, there's no way to be happy about no. the team no, after a game happy. like this, after performance. We dropped the ball 6-45. to 45. We're now 6-5. and five. Looking up at the playoff standings, I'll, th- I'll throw you one thing, Robbo, that uh, could be good. You mentioned the speech that he gave. This team is going through some adversity uh, down the stretch that they haven't gone through under Sean McVay. This is new for them. I'll give you a rare uh, crossover. Joey went to the NBA for a crossover moment. I'm going to do one for Stan Kroenke's Premier League team, Arsenal, <laughs> who's having my favorite team, who, by the way, is having their worst start of my lifetime. Um, not, not, not that that has a ton to do with the Rams, but about a month ago, their captain, a Swiss player who's named Granite Shaka, at the end of a game, uh, got substituted and was being booed by the fans. And he ended up, you know, he was cupping his ear and kind of not handling it well um, because the team's not handling it well. And he got stripped of his captaincy and he hasn't played since. That was October 27th. Tonight, for the first time, we saw Sean McVay's football getting booed at the Coliseum on Monday night football. It was audible. You could tell that the fans, understandably, are upset. This is new ground, man. We haven't done this under Sean McVay. We've done it as Rams fans before. Good Lord, we've done this. But we haven't done it under Sean McVay. And I think we're we're either crossing a threshold or we've already crossed it where that McVay magic has worn off. And now 
the adversity and how they respond to it, especially going into next year, is going to be kind of what defines Sean McVay moving forward. And I'm excited to figure out what that means. And, and and then I think I think one of your family members, maybe you, also goes, "Hey, I brought in some peasant." <laughs> <laughs>